What's up, everybody? I first would just like to say thank y'all for even tuning in to my last two podcast episodes. I was like, y'all really mess with me. Y'all really listening to your boy talk. And I really, y'all understand how, how that made me feel. But I know it's been a while since I dropped the next episode. But your boy is busy. Y'all know I'm in grad school. I'm working. And it's starting to kick your boy ass. Like I'm having to learn or relearn time management. It's so much different being in grad school than being an undergrad where you can really procrastinate on things. You have to be on your stuff for grad school. If not, you will get swept behind. And I thought that'd be a great way or great, let's see, a great episode for this week would be to talk about mental health and to really be able to see how people who work in the mental health deal with their own mental health, people who are studying mental health deal with mental health, and also how if you deal with your how do you deal with your own mental health issues. I know this conversation is one we need to have because we all deal with some form of mental health in our daily lives. Everybody deals with it. It's not it shouldn't be seen as so taboo as it is. Also, I feel like we, if we open up and let some light in on this issue of mental health, we can start having the conversations more often and people won't feel like it's as taboo to talk about. Mental health, with even amongst friends, some people don't really like to speak on their mental health because they don't want people to judge them. But you should not be judged for that. I feel like you should be celebrated because you obviously you see that you're lacking something and you're trying to do better about it so i've decided to make this conversation a little more intimate and what i mean by intimate is that we will still have our future guests on here on the show this week but we're going to make it a more one-on-one type of setting where i'll just interview them i'll talk to them about their kind of their mental health what do they do to stay in a positive space and also if they work in mental health how do they deal with that working in mental health and then dealing with their own mental health so as always i'm gonna go get my drink together i'll get our guests drink together and we finna get ready to take a shot with Jalen ray Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. We first, our first guest tonight is going to be Adrian. Adrian, will you tell the people a little bit about yourself and your involvement in mental health? Yeah, of course. 
Well, like Jalen said, I'm Adrian. Um, I graduated from Middle Tennessee State University in 2017 with a bachelor's in child development and family studies with a minor in psychology. I'm currently a graduate student at Walden University pursuing my master's of science in um, mental health facilitation. So my job, I guess, uh, my job in mental health is basically I'm a team lead of a nonprofit organization in Middle Tennessee that provides mental health services to the underinsured or no insurance at all. So within that, um, I'm in the community. I'm in the communities that government funding does not reach, pretty much. Um, I got into mental health based on wanting to be closer to my father, who also suffers with mental health, um, and another family member. So I wanted to better understand them. Um, and through this journey, I have learned so much more about myself and how to advocate and how to educate as well. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you, thank you. And also, will you talk to them about what you're going to school for with your master's? Yeah. So mental health, mental health facilitation, if I could talk today. Um, so basically, I'm learning how to implement programs um, of mental health to populations that might not, like I said, be reached by government funding, but also creating programs that is designed especially for these communities. Um, oftentimes, as we can see, um, lower income communities do not have the resources to obtain mental health services. So with my master's, I plan to go into these communities and create programs that is designed for them to so they can reach success and achieve the quality of life that they want. So that's a little bit about my master's. Thank you, thank you. And when I take those times away, I pray. Because we have to remember that, yeah, we live in this country. I'm not even gonna call it a free country anymore. We live in this country that say, that say, <laughs> we can say what we want, do what we want, do whatever. But in reality, we can't. Mm -hmm. And with the position that I have um, at my agency, I'm considered a leader. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, I've never been the one to talk. I'm mm -hmm. all about action. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just me. That's just how I was raised. Mm -hmm. And I'm not knocking anybody who uses, you know, social media to voice their opinions. I'm not doing that whatsoever to each his own. But for me, I pour all that, I gather all that information and I take it to like, okay, what can I do that's within my reach that's still gonna make a difference. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, everything is it's draining. Mm -hmm. it's, it's draining, it's exhausting. Being a black woman in this country is probably the hardest job that only black women will understand. Yes, very and much so. It's so, something, that something that even black men, we don't understand. Yeah, so. yeah, so it's just like for me, um, like when all, it seemed like when quarantine happened, that's when the race war started. And I'm gonna call it a race war because that's why we're we're a battle right now. If I'm being real, we're a battle. And so, um, in the beginning, I didn't protest because that's just not me for my mental health because I have severe anxiety. So protesting around people, a lot of people where emotions are really high, that's very triggering for me. Okay. Um. So. I know protesting is not my style. Mm -hmm. um, and that's okay. I think a lot of people need to realize 
that you have to think about yourself. Yeah, we're fighting a war right now and everybody is needed, but let's think about where you're at, like where your contribution can be the greatest. Mm -hmm. So with me, I went to my senior leadership of my company and I was like, we need to talk about this. We are those social workers that are fighting a battle of mental health and we're serving African-Americans. Mm -hmm. How can we show support and understanding of these individuals during a real crucial time in history? Mm -hmm. So I worked with my senior leadership about um, on creating a cultural training that will be mandated across my agency. So that's what I did because that was within my reach. And I feel like I would still change the minds or try to change the minds of the, you know, of our counterparts. Yes. So that's what I did. And so that with my mental health and social media, I see the rage and I see the hurt and I see the exhaustion. Mm -hmm. But I take it to how can I help? in my realm of mental health because i mean black women we're considered strong but we also tired yes we're I, tired i've come to i've used to and i recently with the past i would say six months i used to always say you know that's a strong black woman right there but yeah. I think it was my mother who finally told me like why is it always that we call black women strong like why is it the right. only word we use to describe them like sometimes black women can be weak or some you know they can have times where they have to be weak yeah. and it really made me think like that's the first thing you th say when someone's like oh black women strong you know yeah and it's like that has to bear so much on y'all's mental health like having oh, to perfect. always be considered strong like you have to be perfect. strong yeah. And then also, I'm, and the other side of that I see is that, you know, besides them calling, saying black women are just always strong, you can't ever go, it's it's like a bad place because they put you in, oh, that's a strong black woman, but if you try to do something else, then they make y'all the angry black woman. Talk about it. Let's talk about it. So that's where I have to realize, you know, where black women are stuck in a mm -hmm. box for they mm -hmm. have to be strong because if I'm anything else, they're, they're not going to let me say, oh, that's a crying black woman. They're going to just call me angry, you know? Right. It's like they only right. let you have two paths that you can take. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, well, um, I want to kind of change the topic, not topic really, because we're sticking on mental health, but I want to kind of talk about things that make you happy. So are there any songs or anything? What do you, what do, you do? To, well, if you're in a sad place with your mental health, what do you do to bring yourself out up from that that low point? If you can understand I, what I mean. Oh, I completely understand. My friends are literally everything. Um, I cannot stress having quality people around you who understand you. Um, I'm really big on having friends around you that understand you when you're silent. Um, mm. Oh, so I, I, have, I like that. So, oh, oh, say that again. I like that. <laughs> you need to have people around you who understand you when you're silent. Um, so with me, my friends, um, I'm to that point in my journey of my own personal mental health that I know when my triggers are happening and I know how to communicate that. I think it's a different, the difference between knowing your triggers and then knowing how to communicate your triggers. Um, so I'll just text my friends and be like, today's a struggle. I'm in bed. 
don't want to get out. <laughs> um, so that's when the FaceTiming starts. That's when, you know, knocking at the door, get out the house starts. Um, so for me, my friends, I cannot say that enough. My friends are everything. Um, I think also music. Music is definitely my escape. Um, my favorite song when I'm like down and out, I have multiple, but my favorite one is Fly by Nicki Minaj and Rihanna. I know it's an old song, but um, the, the purpose and the meaning of that song is just motivating, especially for black women. Um, we're not just fighting this battle for ourselves. We're fighting this battle for all the black women who feel like they can't fight for themselves. And so that just reminds me of my purpose and it kind of gets me out of my rut. And also, um, I do sticky notes, sticky notes on my mirror. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw that a couple of weeks ago that I posted that. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to be as vulnerable as possible on my social media. Even as a mental professional, we still struggle. Um, so my sticky notes are still on my mirror to, my, to this day. Um, I just put like positive things on there. Um, like, I don't know if we can cuss on your podcast. But oh, you can't. <laughs> Look, this is open space. <laughs> okay. Um, one of them says, go kill that shit. Um, one says, outside validation holds no weight. Um, anxiety does not control your life. Um, so I just have those reminders because I feel like, you know, in the mirror, when somebody is standing in front of a mirror, that's typically when they're triggered the most. Mm. Um, that's self-reflection. That, that's self Yeah. The self-reflection um and you're picking at your flaws i just like you know and Jayla, i'm gonna do this i want i'm gonna challenge you every time you look in the mirror instead of looking at the negative start looking at the positive mm-hmm. and see how your world changes um because we're so used to like ooh, this is it or mm-hmm. ooh, the role or mm-hmm. ooh, mm-hmm. Da, da, da. but it's just like oh i'm beautiful or oh i'm handsome or I have a heart that a lot of people would want. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So it's just like having those sticky notes on my mirror, try to, it, it knocks out those negative thoughts because I've also suffered with eating disorders for a majority of my life. So mm-hmm. looking in the mirror is never easy for me if I'm being 100% transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mirror, the mirror is my triggers. Um, so those are things that I try to do. Like I said, music is everything to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Gospel music literally gets me through. <laughs> literally gets me through. Um, I, I always challenge people to find those songs that no matter how low or how dark your moment is, when you listen to this song, whatever the song may be, it brings, it. you see the sunshine a little bit. Um, I did this exercise with my kids on my caseload. Um, they would give me a song to describe their current emotion. And most of the time, it would be a very dark song. Mm-hmm. And I will always promise them that I will listen to it. I literally give them my phone, and they'll download it to my Apple Music. And I'll listen to it because it helped me better understand their emotions. Mm-hmm. But then in turn, I will give them a positive song. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. So that way, we have to replace what we think is missing. Um, but replace it with a positive like Loose to Win by Fantasia is one of my uh, my go-tos. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a little bit of what I do to fight this this battle because it is a battle. It, it is a battle. It's a daily battle that people, a lot of people I see think that this is a battle that you can, once you won once, that this is something you've won forever. <laughs> this is not something that you can win once. This is something mm-hmm. that you will keep coming back. You might be able to get over it for that week or maybe even a month. 
but something, even the slightest trigger, can set you back. This is the mental mm-hmm. health is stuff you have to work on daily, regardless yeah. of you're in good spaces. And I right. did like where you talked about self-reflection, because I know for a fact, just with looking at like black men in general, they don't want to self-reflect on the negatives, really. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they reflect on the negatives, but they also don't think of the positives. A lot of people, mm-hmm. as you said, the mirror is the enemy for everybody. You can be the mm-hmm. perfect body and everything else, but mentally you might be not there. Mm-hmm. And then you have to make sure, you know, that the mirror is not an enemy to you. You have to make sure that mm-hmm. this is you looking at yourself to you look in, look within, like, mm-hmm. so. Um, I love that. I love that self-reflection. I was, as a kid, say a bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we, I think you mentioned a little bit about it. Why do you think our community has such a stigma on getting mental health? My favorite topic. Let's talk about it. <laughs> the black community. I'm going to try to talk about this while I'm crying because this is something I'm really passionate about and I cry when I'm passionate. <laughs> um, the people want to hear the passion. The people want to hear <laughs> The black community the community that has gone through the most, but also a community who has achieved so much. We are taught that no matter how much darkness we go through, we still have to shine. So that has put it in our head that no matter how dark we are, we still gotta be all right. Mm -hmm. We have a mistrust in the medical system. Rightfully so. Rightfully so, yes. Rightfully, rightfully so. so. We have a mistrust in the medical system. Um, so, but we're also rooted in the church. Mm. Being, mind you, I'm going to be straight real right now. I just came back to the faith probably like a good year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can talk about that on another episode if you want to have me back. <laughs> but, um, we're rooted in the church and we're taught to pray about it. We're taught that depression, anxiety are things of the devil. Mm-hmm. That's what we're taught. So it's just like when you're raising a child up from three on up in the church and they're believing that, you know, these negative thoughts and all this stuff are of the devil, we're not taught to doubt. So it's just like our people are afraid because of the mistrust but our people are also afraid because it's an unknown because it's something that we haven't been discussing Mm -hmm. and so it's just like but on the turn of that our people don't have the resources necessarily to reach out for mental health Mm -hmm. you gotta think within it's only been within the last 10 plus years, I want to say like 10 to 15 years that mental health has been covered by insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the, I, and I want to give all praises to the millennials for that, because if we wouldn't make the noise about it, I don't think policies would have been changed. No, not at all. The schools definitely and universities would not have seen, because like now in classes, even undergraduate and grad school stuff, they talk about that. They're like, you know, worry about your mental health, you know, make sure your mental's good. You hear, yeah. you, you'll actually now hear professors talk about it when at first they wouldn't really talk about it, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's, I think that's why our people don't reach out. And I think a lot of it is, since I'm so, the, the, the black community is the community that I study. That's just, that. I, I got, I was 
I, you know, as a guilty woman, we take care of our own first. Um, Look, I've been waiting on the plug. I've been waiting. On <laughs> <laughs> we take care of our own first. So my main priority in pursuing my master's and my doctorate in mental health is to make sure my people are okay. And that the more people of mine have, have the access to quality, quality mental health services. Um, it's just like, like I said, either from insurance companies or, you know, our population don't have the means to even attain insurance or, you know, in Tinker world, they get cut off because of this, that, and the third. But I think it also goes back to it's not enough of us on the other side. Mm-hmm. So it's just like when you walk into a mental health facility and you don't see anybody that look like you, you're automatically shutting down because you're going to feel like nobody's going to be able to relate to you. Yes, exactly. So I think that's why a big part of our population do not reach out for mental health services. And I'm so grateful for, you know, resources like therapy for black girls and all that stuff, because we are creating that space when others wouldn't allow us to create that space. So we created our own. And that's something that the black people we do very well at is creating our own because we know what it feels like to be left out. Mm -hmm. So it's just like if more people want to join my side of the fence to help fight this battle, I genuinely feel like more people, more of our people will reach out for the mental health services. I was in a training um, early quarantine. (laughs) I don't even know what month it was. You know, early quarantine (laughs) about black youth suicide. And I think I cried the majority of the training only because that's the first training in my years of undergrad, graduate school, and being in the field that I had a all black training. Like it wasn't about, you know, other counterpart races. It was all about us. Mm-hmm. And to just hear the number of African American youth that are committing suicide is is disheartening. Um, we're actually one of the only races that are seeing an increase in suicide right now. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of people ain't talking about it because we're suffering in silence. We're being triggered daily in America. Mm-hmm. Daily, we're being triggered. And we don't have the resources. That's just that. The resources are not there, or they just don't want to reach out because they feel like nobody's going to understand. But it's just like, that's my hope mm-hmm. that, you know, of my career, if God don't see nothing else to see fit through my career, my career, my my hope and my prayer is that I save as many of us as we can. Oh, I love that. I love it. I, honestly, I love that because I think that's what we, you should always do that with your job, though. If you you know, yeah. in any field, in any field, you know, to to make sure that you're doing something for somebody else. Yeah. Um, also, I was sitting here thinking, I wonder if it's. I know one, it's a generational thing. As we as you said before, millennials, we're you know, we're talking about mental health, we're making sure we're uh-huh. getting our days covered in our work packages, our benefit packages and stuff like that. But there is still I wonder if it would be the stigma is more of the label of being having to be labeled mental health. Like I have a mental health issue, you know? Yeah. The label is heavy. Yeah, I wonder if that's a big thing. It's the same with, you know, when children have um ADHD. ADHD or dyslexia. We don't mm-hmm. really, as a community, we don't like to test our children for that because we don't want to label our kids. 
Yeah. And so I feel yeah. like that's we're, we're still we're still repeating the cycle, and mm-hmm. just it might no longer be ADHD. Now it's your own mental health. Yeah, the label is heavy. I'm gonna be honest. The label is very heavy, um, because you think something is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like we live in a world that tells us that everything is wrong with us. So why would we go labor ourselves with something else that's negative? So the label is heavy, but I think no matter how heavy the label is, the life is still precious. Mm-hmm. And I think health is a thing that we have to remember. It's not about the label. It's about if this person's gonna wake up tomorrow. Exactly. And I mean, mental health, mental health is just as serious as physical health. I mean, we got Uncle Uncle Tom Billy over here that has diabetes and high blood pressure and congestive heart failure and everything else. And we make sure he take his medication every day. But then you have me over here who's suffering with anxiety and depression. But forbid I want to take a pill because then you're going to think the devil is in me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You see the stigma that was created? Mm-hmm. It's, I'm, we're both still trying to be the healthiest individual that we possibly can be. Mm-hmm. It's just because just because you don't see my illness doesn't mean my illness is present. It's well, not present. I think that is it. I think that's the... What do they say? The nail, the nail on the head. Yeah. We don't see mental yeah. health unless yeah. it's the severe forms of mental health. Yes. Yes. And so yes. we don't acknowledge. Okay, they might need to get some type of help until right. you've reached that point to where it's you. Your family can no longer hide it. Really, that you mm-hmm. need to go seek medical help. And I think that's a problem. We we have to start at the first signs of it really addressing it yeah we gotta address it but you know what Jane? i think one of the the key things is we gotta stop damaging each other mm, okay i can see that because you gotta think okay i'm gonna give you as an example somebody who at 10 years old started this journey with anorexia and bulimia and i'll drop all the weight because i'll be actively sick mm-hmm but the second that I'm in recovery, oh, auntie over here, you sure ain't gaining weight. Yeah, that's, yeah, I completely don't see that. I completely, and I think that might be a generational thing. That's what goes yeah. back to that because older generations are very big on that. Oh, well, you gain a little weight, ain't you? Girl, oh, I hate <laughs> it. Thanksgiving is my, oh, I hate Thanksgiving. <laughs> you gain a little weight, ain't you? Or if you don't come out your room at a certain time, oh, they in there must be sad and depressed about something. And they kind of right. make, they make it a joke about it mm-hmm. until it's too late. Yeah. It's still it's too late. Um, my next thing I want to talk about really is how would you react or what actions would you take if you notice someone you care about is showing signs of mental health issue? Or a mental health block is what I like to call it, a block. I like the terminology. Um... Communication. Okay. Um, and, and I also want to address a myth in the communication. If you see that somebody's experiencing or talking about suicide, you addressing suicide by saying, like, do you want to commit suicide? That's not going to push them to want to do it more. Mm-hmm. That that's, that's a myth that in the mental health world, that is not true. And I feel like a lot of people don't talk about mental health because they feel like it's going to push them to do something even more damaging. 
um, but communication and creating that safe space. And people need to realize everybody's not everybody. Everybody's not a safe place, and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Like I have many people who realize that you know talking to their friend about mental health is not their forte, so they reach out to me. I love when that happens because realize this ain't even about me no more this is about my friend getting the help that they need exactly. so it's communicating creating that safe place for them to just be as vulnerable as possible um one of my neos posted the other day how you know a common comment like oh you'll be all right how that can be toxic compared to I understand how this is making you feel. What can I do to make it better? Oh, I'm oh, oh, I love it. Oh. So it's just like you have to communicate but make sure that make sure what you're saying is not causing any more damage. I want you to say that one more time, a little slow <laughs> so they can hear that and they can process that. Like um. Let me see. Okay, so one of my neos posted um, on Instagram the other day about how when you communicate with somebody who's going through a mental health episode, how something so toxic as is, oh, you'll be okay, compared to I know how that makes you feel or I know how that can be heavy. How can I make it better? So you have to always validate. Always validate what that person is feeling. No matter if you don't understand it, you still have to validate because you're not responsible or you can't you can't tell a person how to feel. And I think that's what the, the common misconception is. We feel like we can tell somebody how to feel about something. Mm-hmm. No. You have to validate that feeling. Let that person feel whatever emotion they need to feel and ask them. To, like you have to ask them questions to like guide the conversation. Like, what can I do to make you better, or what mm-hmm. can I do to make the situation better? Yes. Do you want to go to the wall? Do you want to talk? Do you want to just sit here in silence? Like, what can what can I do to help you? And you got to give that person the control mm-hmm. because they're going through a situation. For example, a panic attack or an anxiety attack, they're experiencing something where they feel like they don't have control. Mm-hmm. So it's just like the five, four, three, two, one method is an amazing thing to do when somebody's going through an anxiety attack or a panic attack. And you simply just go through the senses. Like, tell me five things you see in this room. Tell me four things that you can feel. Tell me three things that you can smell. Tell me two things that you can see. And tell me one thing that you can taste. Because that brings them back to reality. I like that. I'm glad you explained it because I was just about to ask you to explain that out for the people. So yeah, yeah. Um, also, I've come, I don't know, I got to remember what I was listening to. Maybe it's was listening to another podcast or whatever. And they were talking about mental health as well. And I think the guy said, as a kid, he used to have supposedly asthma attacks. Mm-hmm. But what turned out was he was actually having anxiety attacks. Yeah. So he was labeled for asthma when really it was flare of his anxiety happening. And he said he didn't realize what it was until he got like 18 or 19. Like he was having severe anxiety attacks and not asthma. But like he and he said it only happened when he was in anxious about something. Yeah. And it makes me think how many other of our kids are we really labeling doctors are labeling them as. Mm-hmm. Asthma when it's anxiety because you can't really test anxiety like that unless they are anxious. 
about. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard. It's, it's, and that goes back to our mistrust of the medical community. But it's like, oh, I just can't figure it out. Like, I can't put, the, put it in words of what I want people, wish people can do with that. Like, mm. so. Now, that's a good point. That, that's a very good, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a very good point. Like, it's just, you have to, and I think that's, my parents have always been big on that, you know, second opinion. Like, from a doctor, you get a second opinion from somebody else, you know, you go to a different doctor, different branch or whatever. So, um, my next thing I want to talk about is really for kind of personal. I know you said earlier a little bit, you have family that deals with mental health. Mm-hmm. I have family that deals with mental health. I have an older brother who has mental health issues. And it kind of put a strain on our relationship, especially when I got older. Also have a co- two, couple cousins who have severe uh, schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And so I've dealt with that and having to, you know, still deal with them. Or I'm not, I shouldn't even say deal with them because I love my family. You know, you love your family. Right. But it's having to, what's the word I'm looking for? You're having to accept, one, that they have this mm-hmm. and that you have to do stuff differently with them and they might interact with you differently. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't hold that against them. That's the biggest thing mm-hmm. I've, I've had mm-hmm. to cover is that you have to accept that this is who they are and that you cannot hold if they're having, as you know, people would like to say, an episode, you mm-hmm. cannot hold that against them forever. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. So you have to be able to, if you know they have suffered from that, so they suffer from different identity uh, personalities, you cannot hold them to that. Uh-huh. And I think that's the biggest thing for me realizing with my older brother is that, you know, yes, he's still your brother, but yes, he does have, you know, that mental block that you have to still be supportive and you can still kind of be tough love at the same time. So if they don't want to take their medicine, you can support and everything else, but you got to do tough love. If you like, make sure they take their medicine, make sure you're doing that, calling up, hey, how you doing? How's everything going? You took your stuff today, you on you know on the right track. Uh-huh. And so how do you deal with your aspect your family aspect of it? Your mental health, of their mental health and still protect your own mental health. If my question came out right, hopefully it did. It did, honey, it did. <laughs> prayer. Prayer. Prayer, 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 prayer. I cannot push that enough. Prayer. Um, because I, I w- I'm a fixer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I'm a fixer. So I'm just like, okay, here's coping skills. This is what we need to do. Da, 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 da. But in reality, I have to turn work off and I have to be that sister or I have to be that friend or mm-hmm. I have to be that daughter. Yes. And, you know, like, and you know, that's when I revert back to my faith. When we feel weary and we feel burdened. We... And so I just like, you know, my 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 dad, my dad is the one who suffers. Um, so we have we text each other. I'm having a bad day. OK, what's triggered us? To... Or, you know, daddy, I don't have the words to say. And I'm, I know how you're feeling. And I'm sorry for that. But just know that we're going to get through this together. And I'm covering you constantly in prayer. Um, or, you know, sometimes my dad just wants to hear my hear about my day. 
because that makes him feel better. So I just tell him. So I think just how I maintain the balance is following the lead of my father mm-hmm. and seeing what he needs from me. Like some days he just needs to check in just to see how I'm doing. I mean, I'm across the state from him. So sometimes he just needs that. Or some days he just needs an I love you text message. Or some days he just needs space. Mm-hmm. So just following the lead of the individual who's suffering is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, is your goal to make me cry today? But <laughs> No, no, no. It's hard. It's hard because I am a fixer, and this is what I do Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Um, But I have to remember that that battle is not mine. Mm -hmm. So I well, to talk go back to my brother's situation. Same with your, um, you brought up the like space. Like sometimes he just needs space, and I think that was my biggest dilemma for so long was that I thought, okay, maybe he just needs space. Yeah. I thought, okay, maybe if I just give him space, he'll figure it out, you know, and I don't have to be, you know, we don't have to communicate. Maybe just space and I'll come back from school and he'll be who I, the brother that I remember, you know, the one I remember. Yeah. And I had to realize that that is not it. You Mm -hmm. putting space in it is doing the same thing as someone telling them just, oh, you'll be all right. Like that's, I feel like you're doing this space as in, you know, not talking to them for periods of time. Mm-hmm. Not the space. Oh, I don't want to feel like talking today like that. No, but like space where you don't speak for a period of time. I'm having to realize that's not what you do. That's not helping someone's mental health if you just walk yeah. away from Because you're basically, that's what I that's what I did is walked away from a brother who needed mm-hmm. this. And it's it's terrible that when you think about it. It's terrible. And I always have to tell him that. He's like, I'm sorry for that. And he, you know, people, they say, well, you know, I understood why you did that. But also, you need to understand what you I was wrong for that. I think, Jalen, I think you need to give yourself some grace. Mm-hmm. You have to process it. In a way, we're mourning mm-hmm. the old them. Mm-hmm. And we're accepting a new dimension. Mm-hmm. I don't like saying we're going to accept a new them. We're accepting a new dimension. Mm-hmm. Because mental illness has always been there. Mm-hmm. One thing about mental illness is just like STDs. Sometimes it lays dormant and then all hell breaks loose. That's what we call a psychotic break. Mm-hmm. So it's always been there. And they he they've always been our brother. They always been our father. But they they crack a new dimension. And sometimes we have we have to learn that new dimension. Mm-hmm. So give yourself a little grace because you have to process it. Mm-hmm. It's it's heavy. Like, you know, we talked about the labels and the stigma. Mental health is heavy. Mm-hmm. And as caretakers and lovers of these individuals, we want to fix them. Yeah, but in reality, we just need to accept, love, and educate ourselves. Oh, yes. That's all they need. Because they're literally fighting a, fighting a battle that we do not understand. Like I said you know, earlier in the podcast, mental health affects it, it can be everybody in this room can be diagnosed with the same exact disorder, but the signs and the symptoms and the triggers and the medication routine is going to be different for each individual. We have to realize that they're fighting a battle that we would never understand. No matter if we have the same diagnosis, I would never understand their journey. They would never understand my journey. So the thing that they need is to know that regardless the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens, we've got them. 
I love and that I, you, I love that you said that, say. Grace. I love that. I love it because I feel like, you know, I do have to give myself grace on in that situation. And I feel like other people, when they can finally put that word, because you, you know, I think for the longest I've dealt with not knowing a word for it, mm -hmm. of what I needed to do. And that's, and I don't know any other people out there, when they hear, they might be suffering from that same thing of the grace. Like you need to give yourself grace mm -hmm. on this situation. So I love that. I love that. We done got into some serious, got into the serious topic. Ooh. Right? It's heavy. It's but you know, it's needed. And I think that's why a lot of people don't talk about mental health because it's heavy mm -hmm. and people don't understand. Um, but these, these are the conversation, these are the brave spaces that we need. And you know, I'm going to explain why I use brave space compared to safe space. Okay. So in a brave space, it allows you to be wholeheartedly transparent. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, whereas a safe space is just like, okay, what happens here stays here. Okay. But me being in mental health, sometimes I know I got to reach outside the box. Mm -hmm. Like if you call me and you tell me that you're suicidal, I got to reach out. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I got to leave that safe space. So I'm going to give you a brave space where you can be wholeheartedly transparent, but just know that if we need outside resources to give you the help you need, I'm going. Exactly. Um, I'm trying to see what else, uh, what, uh, so brave space is, do you, do you, do you like using that word better than safe space? Really? I do. I do because I, with a brave space, it, it shows everybody has their journey. It shows that we all have weak moments. I think so many times we feel like everybody don't struggle the way we struggle or everybody don't feel pain or everybody can't hurt. We all feel those emotions. Mm -hmm. Let's embrace the emotions and let's 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 heal and let's learn from one another. Mm -hmm. Definitely, it goes back to that what you said earlier. Everybody's dealing with these silent battles. Mm -hmm. So, I love that. I love that. I'm gonna start using that. This is a brave space. Uh, anything else would you like to talk about, or would you like any final remarks? Oh, it's been this is this has been therapeutic. Well, thank um, you. That's what we like to do here on Let's Take a Shot. <laughs> <laughs> this has been therapeutic. Um, I think in all, I think as as a black woman to my fellow black women, um, we have to allow ourselves not to be okay. Um, it's okay to cry. I know. Growing up, my mom and daddy always told me, "Cryness for the weak." You never show the world your tears because that's a sign of weakness. But I think I can, I know speaking for myself, I don't like speaking for other people, but for myself, 2020 has been a year of tears. Has mm -hmm. been a year of tears. And I have to remind myself that it's okay to feel. It's okay to hurt. We're still going to be considered those strong black women, but we also have to remember that our tears are nurturing the foundation that we stand on. Think about it as grass that's going to bloom into flowers or that's going to bloom into trees. We have to nurture to give it that water so we can stand even taller. So that doesn't necessarily mean that we're not strong anymore. It just means that we feel and it's okay. Um, reach out if you need mental health services or, you know, you, you don't even know where to start. You, 
reach out. Um, uh, Jalen has all my information. I would definitely send it out. Um, don't, I'm a professional, but if I, I typically don't provide services to people that I directly know because of HIPAA. However, I would definitely refer you to whoever I feel like that you would deal with. Um, but you know, it's okay not to be okay. This is a battle that our community has fought for so many years in the dark. And we have lost so many brothers and sisters, young and old, to this battle. And it's time for us to do what we got to do to fight it. And that's all I have. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you. We definitely will have you on again. Look, I've been si- look, I've been sitting here thinking like, oh, I got another one I want her to talk about too. <laughs> so, yeah. I would love to join you again. I love this. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. I'm glad this was a brave space for you. Yeah. See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, I see. I see it already. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. All right, everybody, that we're gonna wrap up with her, and as always, we want you guys to take a shot. What's on your mind?